Hello and welcome to Paincast, conversations on pain and physiotherapy. This podcast is brought to you by the Pain Science Division of the Canadian Physiotherapy Association. I'm Tiffany, a physiotherapy student at the University of Toronto. I had the pleasure and privilege to attend the annual Canadian Physiotherapy Association Congress in Quebec City last month in July. This episode serves two purposes. First is to bring a part of the Congress to you. During Congress, I had the opportunity to meet some of the leaders in our profession, and you will get to, in a way, meet them through this episode. Second, I hope to showcase what our CPA, provincial branches, and CPA divisions leaders are working on, and I hope this episode facilitates cohesion within the profession. I asked these leaders about what they're working on, what they hope to see in the profession, what they like about getting involved, why they wanted to take on these roles, and ways we as physiotherapists and students can get involved. This is part two of the two-part series on leaders in physiotherapy, featuring six divisions within the CPA. Part one featured the CPA and two provincial branches. I'm really excited about this episode, and I hope you'll enjoy it. I've added timestamps of each interview in the episode description if you'd like to jump around the interviews. Here we go. I have the pleasure to chat with Lindell, who is the chair of the acupuncture and dry needling division. We had a great time chatting and we find a lot of common interests and common philosophies on how we approach pain. So it would be a great opportunity to interview some of her work with the acupuncture and dry needling division. Lindell, can you introduce your background, your practice and your role with the division? So my background, I'm Australian originally. I've been living in Canada for 20 years. I did my bachelor's in physio at the University of Sydney, Master of Manual Therapy at the University of Western Australia. I've uh, done my PhD in Rehabilitation Sciences at UBC. So practice, I do three main things. I work clinically, I do research and I teach. All those things are in gun IMS, <laughs> gun intramuscular stimulation. Uh, so that's my that's my work, and uh, and obviously I'm ch- uh, chair of the acupuncture and dry needling division. For those who aren't so familiar with gun IMS, intramuscular stimulation means dry needling. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes, it's ticking needles in muscles. <laughs> <laughs> intramuscular stimulation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you do as the chair? Oh my goodness, you know, I I do honestly more than I thought I was going to be doing. <laughs> uh, you know, it's uh, it's really the way I see it is kind of trying to hold the whole team together. Uh, there are more cut and dry roles in terms of expectations of if you look up on the internet what a chair does, um, but I try to kind of be the glue a bit to keep the executive uh, hold us all together because we're scattered across Canada. It was really hard during COVID. Yeah, really hard during COVID. Yeah, yeah, I understand. I know it's been also a very difficult time for the pain science divisions through the pandemic to, as you said, stick the division members together. What do you like about the dry needling and acupuncture division? Um, 
You know, I think the thing I like the most about it is it's not just a theoretical concept with what it seems, you know, of having a community and bringing people together. What I've found is that in practice when people volunteer as they do and we get to know each other, you really do build community and I think and what we one of the uh, key aspects of the constitution of the division and I assume this is actually the same for all divisions is to build community Uh, and so in our little microcosm of the executive then we're always trying to bring other people in as well and it's funny I don't have it here my CPA sign they said what what do you like about being a member of the CPA and it's like I just love being part of a community and I think the word I used was fun um, but I would also use fulfilling Um, it's so much more fun slash fulfilling to be part of a community than just doing stuff on your own (laughs) and so the CPA is that within the divisions it's that and then the executive so it's just bringing us all together and keeping us all connected Um, always better to be part of a group than than just a, a, a unit of one it's been a repeating message that I've heard and I also echo it myself that I find this profession to be a very uniting profession, a very sort of like a community and that's I'm really happy to be in this profession. In the acupuncture and dry needling division context, what are you working on currently? Yeah, you know, we're, we're finishing up um, at the moment a bigger project where we wanted to be more inclusive one of the things we found as the different executive members came through was that many of us myself included we didn't actually really identify with doing acupuncture for me I consider myself a dry needler and we realized that you know it it, it was a real barrier to people joining the division to be members so we wanted to uh, make that inclusive so we went through a process of consulting you know our members and all that sort of thing what are we going to what can we call ourselves Uh, and that's why we're now it's a bit of a a mouthful acupuncture and dry needling division Um, and so we just short uh, we shortened it to ADM but we're just redoing the logos and things like that so that's one of our projects that one of our really big projects is to try to get education to our members so we've been working really hard to just keep that going that's an ongoing major project and also supporting research so we have research grants and trying to get people to apply and it all gets you know formally assessed by an external person and and that sort of thing so those things are ongoing and but the big thing I think for us recently was the name change to bring more people in and make them realize that this is their division too it's not just traditional Chinese medicine acupuncture it's anyone who inserts a needle below the dermis we want you to be part of our community what inspired you to be the chair in the first place oh my goodness Uh, (laughs) honestly I was asked I was I was secretary (laughs) and I was asked and was like okay (laughs) Uh, you know I think um uh what's the right term for it uh there's a term service you know service you know I look at how much not just in the acupuncture division but in all the divisions even within the physio profession there is so much that even if we just return to the division you know this when you do when you volunteer your time so much good can come out of it so that's why you do it and I think what has been a bit more of a surprise is how much I actually get back you do it because you're trying to service your profession and in particular for me the you know, acupuncture dry needling um, and so that was what I felt that you know 
people have done it for me before I need to be that person too but you know it's interesting there's probably something in uh, that uh, Confucius said about this but I can't quote Confucius something about when you give you receive right but 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 yeah it's um uh, and the chair you know I don't need to be chair it's just being in the division at all yeah every because every part every member of the division works really hard with their own time and their own goodwill to um to yeah to fulfill the mandate of the division yeah what do you hope to see in the division or in the dry needling world mm. Wow, gosh, so many things. For the division, I'd love every single person who inserts a dry needle below the dermis to be a member of the division. <laughs> the more of us, the better, you know, in this in a, in a slightly more formal community. That's what I'd love for the division. And I just want us to keep doing what we're doing. I love making sure that we're getting as much education out as often as possible to our division members. Um, the supporting research is really important in community. So I think it's just ongoing what we're doing already. I'd love to see more people being part of the division and for acupuncture dry needling generally I want more people not just in physio but in the medical profession and and Canada the world at large to just um, have even as as minimal appreciation of how powerful a tool it is because that you know that you see so many cartoons you know that that are not maybe not so much making fun of dry needling but we've all seen them right but it's crazy what you can do with a dry needle it's very very humbling very very humbling again like i said earlier my i have a master's in manips do you know what i mean you learn all these things and you think you're so clever with what you can do with your hands and then you start sticking needles on people and it's like wow (laughs) (laughs) so for more people to understand and appreciate the power of the needle yeah, but knowledge translation will come in handy. Very powerful. Oh, absolutely. Knowledge translation, uh, you and I were having this conversation before recording, Tiffany, but uh, knowledge translation, you know, at the end of the day, it's about our patients and we can know as much as we like in our own heads on advanced a level with as much jargon as we like, but it, does, it, it doesn't do any good inside our heads. We've got to be able to explain to our patients. We've got to explain to the general public. We've got to explain to policymakers and the people who we serve really you know we've got to we need to be able to teach them and we need to find terminology we can explain to them um we need to be able to translate our knowledge you know for the greater good which is what our profession is in service to the greater good how do people find more information learn more about the adn or even get involved yeah, you know, um, oh gosh, if only I knew my uh, email, <laughs> my heart, it comes to me. Um, I think start at the CPA website and go and follow the link. And right now, the website is down. Dave, our website representative, is working really hard to get it back up and running. <laughs> but you can contact us via the CPA website at the moment and, and all our contact stuff is on the, if you go to the link to the ADN uh, division, anything you need, uh, all the information will be there as soon as the website's up and running again. <laughs> well, we're recording this as of July 15, uh, so so it might be up when you listen to this. Oh, let's hope so. Let's hope so, Dave. <laughs> okay. Remember, this is Dave's volunteer time. He doesn't get paid for this. <laughs> yeah, we need really need to thank uh, really our division leadership for serving the physiotherapy community. Thank you so much for taking your time to be interviewed, Lindahl. Thank you for being interested. <laughs> I have the great pleasure to be introduced to Melissa, the chair of Pediatrics Division. 
Melissa, can you introduce your background, your practice, and your role with the division? Sure. So I'm Melissa Kersons. I'm a physical therapist with the Children's Therapy Program based out of Yorkton, Saskatchewan. I have been the chair of the pediatric division for the last three years, uh, two and a half years, three years. And yeah, I uh, am really enjoying being here at Congress today. I'm really enjoying that too. What do you like about being in the pediatrics division? I think because I practice in pediatrics solely, it's very close to my heart. I feel very strongly that there's a big advocacy role for children and families across Canada. And so by being a part of the executive, I'm really excited to be able to advocate for them. What are the advocacy items that you're working on? Um, Well, recently I had a chance to meet with Arthur from the Pain Science Division and Kayla, one of the CPA staff, and we were able to meet with Senator Moody and her staff to discuss pediatrics pain in Canada and how important it is that there's attention given to these children and families so that they can access the care they need. That's very important. What is the intersection between pain, signs, and pediatrics? So there is a lack of services for children who are in chronic pain. And I think also the ability to recognize pain in children and give it the due attention it needs to prevent it from developing into chronic pain. You know, I mean, I grew up in the days of suck it up buttercup. and <laughs> You know, like we, we kind of dismiss a lot of pediatric pain as either being made up or being it's misaddressed and so in in taking that approach we really miss an opportunity to prevent things from developing into chronic problems later on Um, and and being able to as adults have a, a good coping mechanism for addressing pain so I think it's a really important piece and maybe an overlooked piece in our our profession that is very important What do you hope to see in the future of managing pediatrics pain? I think think an opportunity for a number of things. One, um, an awareness at government about how important it is to have these programs in place for kids and families to address pain. Um, And I, I think the other piece of that is, you know, disseminating best practice amongst healthcare centers in Canada about pediatric pain in children's centers but not only children's centers I mean children are treated in rural health centers as well as like other other centers that maybe that isn't the highest priority um, so I'd like to see that that awareness builds and, and changes in practice happens to make it easier for all kids who are are experiencing pain and then yeah I think that that's probably the biggest piece like if we can help give parents information we can help parents advocate for um, that approach then we can improve outcomes for kids so you've been the chair of pediatric surgeons for three years what are the some of the most enjoyable moments as a chair I get to work with a stellar team so all of our executive are volunteers we've had a number of people who've come and go over the last three years and um, it's really been outstanding to see the dedication and the wealth of knowledge that they bring to our our team and and allow to be shared with our members Um, you know we have 
people who come and organize webinars for us. We have people who've organized your newsletters and compiled them and you know sent them out on behalf of our executive. We have uh, our new website that we're starting to um, get developed as uh, as that comes together. It's it's so exciting to see how those resources can become more accessible for our members. That's amazing. What inspired you to be the chair in the first place? Well, originally I was a secretary for the pediatric division. <laughs> and then uh, Laura Brunton was just an amazing chair and she was uh, at the end of her term. So I thought, well, I'll give it a go and here I am. <laughs> I was just talking to the chair of the acupuncture and dry needling division and she also started as a secretary <laughs> in the division and moved on to be the chair. I feel like it you know you kind of get a feel for the the routines of being on an executive and so it's it's nice and you also always know what has gone on for the last couple of years if you're in that role so. If people would like to get involved with the pediatrics division a little more uh, what are the opportunities how do they know more about the division and how did they get in touch? Yeah, so they can contact me at um, cpapdivchair at gmail.com or you can contact us through one of our social media channels so like Facebook and Instagram and yeah, we are always looking for volunteers. Uh, you need to be a member of the CPA and a member of the PEDS division to be on our executive but we are glad to, to have anyone join and yeah, we're, we're very welcoming. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Okay, I'm here at the Neuroscience Division booth and I found Megan, who is the chair of the Neuroscience Division. Thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed. Can you introduce your background, your practice, and your role with the division? Sure. So, yeah, I'm Megan Adams. I'm the chair of the Neurosciences Division. I, uh, I'm a physiotherapist. My background is in uh, most recently brain injury, concussion, and vestibular rehab. Um, currently, I work as a manager in a hospital. I work with a team that designs and implements and evaluates continuing education for healthcare providers of all professions. So, um, not a clinical role, it's an education role that I'm in right now. Wonderful. What do you like about being with the Neuroscience Division? I joined the Neuroscience Division when I started practicing in an area that was new for me, which was concussion and vestibular rehab, and I wanted to learn from people who were doing that kind of work because there wasn't anybody in my geographic area. I've stayed with the Neurosciences Division because I think I really enjoy being part of the CPA and I really enjoy the leadership opportunities that come with this type of a role you know it's it's there's lots of opportunities to be part of a community of physios and we have lots of options for continuing education now in whatever practice area you're in but um, CPA to my mind it, and and the divisions are one of the best opportunities we have to advocate for our profession. I, I see some really exciting opportunities coming up in the near future, so I look forward to being part of those. Has your role as the chair of the Neuroscience Division and your education role as your main job, has they influenced each other? Yeah, they do influence each other. I, um, I'm really interested in continuing professional development, and those are some of the things that we prioritize at the NSD. We have uh, a series of webinars 
that we run almost monthly throughout the year. We have a, a publication that's uh, it's a it's non-peer reviewed but professional education publication. We we put out quarterly, um, and I think those are some of the best value things we can provide to our members. And those are those are things that are really important to me. That's the kind of where my two roles come together. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, continuing education is definitely very important as physiotherapists. It's lifelong learning. Absolutely. Continue to be evidence-based, continue to consult the literature. Thanks for doing that important work. No problem. It's the best part of the job. We're always, we're never going to know it all. We always get to keep learning. Yeah, that's definitely the exciting, one of the exciting parts of it, yeah? Apart from providing continuing education opportunities, what are you working on with the Neuroscience Division? With the Neurosciences Division, we have, um, well, people who are members of the Neurosciences Division, they, they get access to our, our Synapse, which is our publication. They get access to our series of webinars. NSD members are also members of the International Neurological Physiotherapy Association, so you have access to this global network of colleagues. And uh, we're working on a number of initiatives, kind of... The theme, the theme of what we're working on is in service of our members and trying to meet the needs of the members of the NSD. So um, lots of communications, education, um, networking, mentorship, those, those are the kinds of opportunities we're, we're looking at pursuing. Great. So you mentioned you joined the NSD initially because you wanted to learn from physios in this area. And then you started to want to continue to be involved because you enjoyed that aspect. But then what inspired you to take on the chair role? Um, it's a really great team of people to work with. I'm really grateful to work with the rest of our executive and with the NSD members. And when the role came up, it just seemed like the natural next step to, to continue working with this great organization and these great people, and I'm really glad I did it. That's great. What do you hope to see in the future of the neuroscience division? Ooh, I have lots of things I'd like to see. Neuro is great and challenging for us as a division because it covers such a broad patient population. So we, you know, we can talk about spinal cord injury, we can talk about acquired brain injury, we can talk about stroke, uh, vestibular rehab. Those are all areas that fall under the neuro umbrella. And there's more that I haven't mentioned. But it's, it's great because we have this huge diversity in our membership. It's challenging when we're trying to create things to serve those members. But I would really love to see us formalize some education or credentialing programs like some other divisions have. We, we have that, um, we have some really clear education pathways if you want to get good at as a, as a therapist working with people who've had strokes. But building competence in other areas like working with people after spinal cord injury or, or providing vestibular rehab services, those are not clear pathways for people when they graduate. And I would really like to start taking the steps and moving NSD down the road of being the go-to provider for those types of courses or credentials, whatever that will look like in the future. So that when you graduate, you know if you're interested in a particular practice area, there are courses and uh, a, a pathway that you can follow more clearly than what's laid out right now. Yeah, again, going back to the idea of continuing education. If people are interested in getting involved in the neuroscience division, how do they learn more about that? How do they get in contact? 
we have a website. It's uh, nsdphysio.ca, so you can come and uh, there's a members-only section where our resources are all available. Our webinars are available on Embodia. Um, they're free for NSD members, and then there's a small cost if you're not a member or not a CPA member. Um, if you're interested in joining the division as a member, you can do that through the CPA website. Uh, there's an annual fee, um, but it's also free for students. All of the divisions are free for students. And we're happy to have people join the division as members, but we would also love for people to join the executive. We have a few open positions right now, and we're looking for people to help us. We'd really love to build a mentorship program, and we'd love some support from the community to, to start putting that together. And if people want to reach out and just send an email, the best way to get a hold of us is at neurosciencescpa at gmail.com. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I'm here with our very own author, the past chair, well, now past chair of the Pain Science Division. You did a wonderful job leading the Pain Science Division through the last year. I really appreciate your leadership. So, um, yeah. To remind our audience, you've been on our podcast before, so if people have listened to the previous episode, episode number four, make sure you listen to that, that they will know you. But uh, for people who have, uh, hasn't listened to it, can you introduce yourself a little bit, what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, thanks, Tiffany. So, yes, as you said, I'm, the past, I'm now, since about a day ago, uh, the past chair of the Pain Science Division. Uh, it's been an honor to serve in that role. And, I mean, I think one of my uh, biggest accomplishments as part of that role is that I led a working group on pain advocacy where we produced an official position paper in response to the Canadian Pain Task Force recommendations, which was followed through with a lot of lobbying to the government. And, in fact, uh, I think really... One of the culminating points of that effort was that here at CPA Congress, uh, the day before Congress started, I was invited along with a small room of people to meet with the Minister of Health, and and I had an opportunity to to talk about that. So that that has been really a major highlight for me. Um, but back to introducing myself. Um, I'm, I'm on the verge of uh, completing my PhD in rehabilitation science, looking at uh, chronic pain at, uh, at McGill University. I've also just launched my solo practice, the Chronic Pain Rehab Clinic uh, in Montreal. And uh, moving forward, I expect I'll be doing some teaching and uh, probably get involved in some other stuff. So that's about me, and, and I guess I just give a highlight about Congress as well. <laughs> you started your involvement with the Pain Science Division as a... Uh grad wanting to learn more about pain management and then you slowly stepped into the role slowly slowly and become now become the chair throughout these years what do you like about being involved in the pain science division or like what, what have been the most enjoyable moments I think one of the distinguishing features of being involved with your national association with your professional association is that there's no one else no other organization that puts you in such a unique position to advocate for your profession uh, to, to really be a leader that moves the profession forward. There's nothing else, there's no other group that has so much clout that, is, that brings together so many people with shared interests. And so it, it's been really 
an honor to be able to be a part of that. I mean, of course, there's other things that are offered. I mean, we have mentorship programs, we have webinars, continuing education. Uh, we have the opportunity to connect with like-minded individuals. Uh, but I think for me, the biggest takeaway is that this is the one group that can get together as leaders and advocate and move the profession forward. Now, as a past chair, how do you plan to continue that advocacy? Or do you think maybe take a step back, take a break, and then come back? So, I mean, at this point in time, I, um, I've just completed a, a big milestone with the working group on pain advocacy. And what we started to engage in is some brainstorming about what are the next steps. We've completed phase one, so to speak. What's going to be phase two? And so, so we're wrapping our heads around that. Uh, what's in the works is we're, I'm co-organizing with CPA a panel that's going to explore pain advocacy, and we're going to be inviting various professionals. So we're making an interdisciplinary panel to further explore this topic. And so, so we're going to look how can we leverage this for maximum impact? Uh, so that's where we're at. We completed one phase, and now we're back into an exploration phase on how to uh, have even more impact moving forward and keep the momentum going. Would this be the main project of the Pain Science Division in the upcoming year? It is a project. Uh, I, <laughs> as was mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm now uh, have just transitioned to past chair. Uh, so it's going to be under the leadership of the new chair that a new strategic plan is going to be developed and, and formalized. And so there's going to be uh, a number of key priorities. I encourage you, if you're a division member or if you're considering to become one, to uh, keep your eyes open for when the annual members meeting will be held. And that's when uh, the new strategic priorities are going to be announced. If people want to know more about the pain science division or get involved, where do they go? Uh, so for the pain science division, you go to physiotherapy.ca slash pain science or pain science division. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. Uh, and uh, and you, can, you can come in and, and check out uh, what we're doing. We have admittedly work to do on how to better communicate uh, all the great work that we're doing. As I mentioned, being part of the pain science division means that uh, you're contributing to efforts such as us being able to meet with senators, with Health Canada's chronic pain policy team, with the Minister of Health. That's what happens when you become a member. You, you're actively supporting these kinds of, of needle-moving advocacy moments. That is absolutely true. And thank you so much for all that hard work and lots of traveling, meeting with different senators and MPs and also recently the Minister of Health. Uh, we also have an Instagram page, Pain Physios Can. Uh, follow us there. Um, we'll miss you, Arthur. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's the last day of Congress and Megan has so kindly responded to my invitation of being interviewed on Paincast. Thank you for your time and willingness. Megan, can you introduce yourself, your practice and your role with your division? Amazing, of course. I'm Megan Curl. I'm the chair of the orthopedic division of the CPA. I took over that role from a very respected and amazing past chair, Roxy Azuri. And as a clinician, I work and practice in British Columbia. I'm in Whistler, BC. I'm involved at UBC, helping with the MPT program, as well as some other projects there. Um, and I, I'm really excited to be representing Ortho Division here at the CPA Congress. Um, it's really a great opportunity to, to meet my fellow chairs of the different divisions. How long have you been involved with the Orthopedic Division? I've always been a member since graduating um, 
so that's been consistent. And then I started my time on the executive as a junior resource chair uh, three years ago. Amazing. And what do you like about being involved with the orthopedic division? I think the amazing piece of it that you don't expect is the amount of networking and the inspiration that comes from seeing colleagues from across the country that have been practicing as new grads or for a number of years that have been behind the scenes volunteering their time to contribute to the profession. I think that's the biggest thing that I notice is that we are this open-armed community of helping each other and helping the profession without needing accolades or thank yous and being a part of a division directly you get to see that work going on in the background and you start to get to interact with these these people and these colleagues that are just true inspiration so that's the most eye-opening piece of this that I, I didn't expect to this degree. I echo that one of the pleasures I have with interviewing many division chairs and provincial presidents is to see how many physios out there that really have a heart for the profession, that would volunteer their time to advocate for the profession, to elevate the role of physiotherapy. And so uh, you're one of them. So thank you so much for doing that. What are something that you are work on or you have to work on as a chair of orthopedic division? So the orthopedic division, with me moving into chair again, it was just a couple of months ago. Um, but in the last couple of years, it's actually been a really exciting time for the orthopedic division. We have a full-time role now for our knowledge translation manager that has allowed us to increase our capacity to offer resources to members. So part of that, we now have a bi-monthly evidence express that happens, which is a summary of key literature that's been released that is vetted and links to these resources are given to members through eBLAS. So that's a huge piece. And we also have that same knowledge translation manager working in the background with our education committee, really bringing and finalizing our manuals for our AIM curriculum, our musculoskeletal therapy curriculum, um, really bringing it up to the forefront to be fresh, current, evidence-based. So our program is really focusing on that clinical reasoning aspect in addition to really support that excellence in musculoskeletal care. So I think that's two big initiatives that in the past few years have been happening. That's really exciting for the membership. I think the key is that we've had this growth of the amount of resources being offered through grand rounds that are available for anybody who's a CPA member to attend, where there's a case that's presented and different panelists discuss that case in real time. They haven't heard it before. Um, All the way to webinars where we bring in international speakers that you can attend and listen to. For CPA members, it's $10 to attend. Orthodiv members, it's free. Um, And it's just, I think this... Over the last couple of years, these resources have really come to the forefront. What inspired you to be the chair? (laughs) To be honest, I was approached by three people that I really very much respect um, who asked me to consider the position. And what I have learned in this profession is that when you have the luxury to be able to participate and interact with people that you highly respect and know are just trailblazers and pushing the boundaries on what we can do in our profession, If they come to you and ask you to consider something, it's something to be taken seriously. And I couldn't have been more honored to be asked. Um, And it's an opportunity to have a voice for our profession and to sit at the table with chairs of different divisions and to sit at the table with CPA and really make sure that our membership is represented as well as the professionals that aren't members yet. And we make sure that we have a voice. So it's an exciting opportunity to lead within the profession. And the ortho division has such a a large membership that it's really great because it feels like it can be a strong voice as well. How do you relate with your members? Because the orthopedic division is the largest division. 
I imagine it could be challenging to have a connection with the members, or do you have strategies around that? Well, I think the first thing is that I can only come at it from my own lens, right? So I am a clinician. I have been a clinician for over 14 years now, and I've worked in public practice initially and private practice for most of my career. I've been in private uh, practice, MSK, sports for most of my career, um, so that is my bias and my lens. So I feel like from that I'm able to, to understand the perspective of membership that, that meets that. Um, but being involved with assisting teaching at UBC and getting to interact with students, that gives me the perspective of where students are at and what their needs are, as well as I have a passion for mentorship and education. And so I'm also on my own time developing educational and mentorship support programs to help kind of build out that piece too. So I have my own lens, but it's really important, I think, that I am aware of the other realms of what's going on in the profession. And I think it's also important that to know that the orthopedic division has, when I was in my previous role with the orthopedic division, we started a, a project that ensured we learned more and more about our membership, to understand who our members are. So we actually built out and surveyed our, our members to understand them more, to make sure that we can speak specifically to these different groups of membership so that nobody's being left behind. So now moving forward, now that we've identified these kind of subgroups in our membership, our courses that are being designed or our resources that are being designed are being tailored to make sure that we're meeting people new in their career, middle of their career, eager to learn, as well as later in the career, leaders in the community and mentors. So I think outside of my own scope and my own lens of understanding the, mentorship, the membership, it's really important for members to know and for other division, all physios across the country to know that there are efforts at CPA, because now I've just shared this with the other chairs and we're all talking about the same thing, to understand our membership from a different perspective and make sure that our resources are being tailored accordingly. That is so wonderful to hear. Uh, last question, if people want to know more about what the Ortho Division is doing, how do they get involved, where should they look for information? Well, we have a website, orthodiv.org, but we also have an amazing communications chair right now who is doing an incredible job, thank you, Yuki, um, to get our social media, our Instagram account, really current. So it's your choice, orthodivcpa is our Instagram account. We have our website. You're welcome to, through that website, contact anyone on the executive. You'll see our emails there. If there's a portfolio, if there's something that interests you, whether it's knowledge translation, whether it's perusing the research and trying to understand it more or bring different research to the forefront, or to get involved in any of the initiatives, communications, social media, the student body, that sort of piece, um, make sure that you do reach out and contact because in addition to the roles that we have within our executive and within our committees, we have support roles that frequently come in and people pitch in how they can, when they can, with their level of interest. And it's a great way for you just to experience what it feels like to be a bit more connected with the profession as well. Great. Thank you so much, Megan, for your time. I would love to add one more thing that... We are looking to have a strong representation from the student body, so new graduates, current students. We do want to have someone sitting on the executive and we need someone to sit in and we want a student liaison position to be filled that is not yet, so it's a volunteer position but a great opportunity to get involved. So if you are interested, don't hesitate to reach out um, to really connect that student voice to the future of the profession. To all the students listening, hear that. Get in touch, you won't regret that. Thank you. Thank you. Hi, Kareem. Thank you so much for being my last but not least interviewee. 
Thank you so much for spending your time out of your very busy schedule. I know you're a private practice owner and have a lot of other speaking engagements to talk to our audience about the private practice division. Can you introduce a little bit about yourself? What is your practice and your role with the private practice division? Yeah, thanks for, for having me on, Tiff. Yeah, you know, I actually been, my background is in behavioral psychology. And so I come out at uh, physiotherapy at a different slant than most. And so I, I run a consultant company. So I consult uh, in a couple of facilities in Calgary under YYC Rehab. And, uh, you know, I've uh, spent like the last 21 years trying to redefine the, sort of the practice of physical therapy. So when people come in and see someone like myself, they're like, wow, I've never experienced physical therapy like this. Uh, and so that's been my mission or my mighty mission to reinvent the uh the experience of physical therapy and of course getting really cutting edge with the results. And uh, so I am actually the current chairperson uh, for the private practice division. The number one goal for us at PPD is to 10 X your practice. And that's really what it is. One line, 10 X your practice. So whether you're a student, whether you're a, a clinician, health entrepreneur, uh, a clinic owner, what our mission is to just give you the tools to like 10 X it. That's as plain and simple as that. <laughs> I can tell you're probably a very innovative and very entrepreneurial and, you know, the fundamental of you. Do, you. do you think that's very important with that character as a private practice owner? Yeah, you know, I spoke to uh, the Queen's PT group just recently. And, you know, one of the things that I mentioned to them about, you know, building an infinite clinical caseload was one of the credos that I talked to them about was, never stop innovating, right? Like it doesn't matter if you're um, 10 days out of practice or 10 years out of out of school kind of thing. Uh, you got to keep reinventing the wheel, reinventing how you do things and innovating um, how you approach the patient. And, you know, whether it's something that you just do on a daily, I think it's important to do something that improves your game by 1% every single day. And, you know, I think one of the things I, I did talk to this PT group about was, was how you can reinvent yourself three times a year. Right, you can be a three times better clinic owner, three times better clinician, three times better student if you just committed to a one percent daily improvement. Um, and I think you know you're you're letting yourself down, you're letting your patients down, you're letting the, the community down if, if you don't take that mindset. So I think it's so important to never stop improving because if you're not growing, you're dying. So one of the main goals of the PPD is to provide tools for clinicians in private practice to be successful in their practice. What have been some of the innovative ideas that you've brought to the PPD this year? Yeah, when I came on as the PPD chair, uh, it was just like literally just before the pandemic. Um, and so we had a sort of a, a sort of a different approach of, of giving content. And usually it was kind of user dependent, right? Like, you know, like somebody, you know, thought this would be a good webinar, this would be a good educational tool. And so a lot of the resources that came through Private Practice Division actually came out of a fundamental need through the pandemic. So um, one of the tools that came out was uh, the Sunday Sizzle. It comes out every single Sunday. And I, I can't even tell you where I've created these things. I've created them in like, uh, hotel lobbies, over the ocean, in trailer parks, you name it. Like I've been into so many different places cur curating this stuff so that we could send it out every Sunday, uh, literally since like the early stages of the pandemic, probably like 
March of 2020. So it's been going strong since then. And so that that one was to, to consolidate because we were sending out so much, so many e-blasts, like so many three times a week, four times a week. And there would be like just out of need to like how to pivot people from getting shut down to reopening, to funding, to all these different insurer questions about who's, who's covering for virtual funding and things like that. So it was, it was actually created out of a need to, to summarize all the things that were coming out of our colleges, all the things that were coming out of industry, all the things that were coming out from government support. Um, and then it's, tra- it's transformed in terms of giving uh, the, the reader the top seven picks that I've, I've read or have come across over, over the week to like pivot their practice. So some of it goes from HR management to entrepreneurial thoughts to 50,000 feet up, you know, how to become a better leader, right? In general, right? Um, You know, we have other newsletters that came out out of that sort of idea. Uh, One was called Tech Tuesdays, uh, and that was looking at industry highlights of what's happening in the physical therapy space and how it relates to technology or technological innovations that are on the cusp that may not necessarily be in front of you, right? And then we did, recently we came out with one called the Academic to the to alchemists. And it was basically to try to service the needs of students and how to better transition them from academics to what it really what it really takes to get into clinical practice and be successful at it. And finally, the one another one that we've really instituted that came out of the pandemic, it was called Freedom Fridays. And what Freedom Fridays was was one of the biggest uh, B words that came out of the pandemic and continues is burnout. And so and this is something that that isn't from the pandemic. It just was highlighted of how much emotion, how much emotions were were involved with the you know running through the pandemic, running a practice, trying to clean beds, trying to like keep calm the the, the fears of your patients, and still like perform physical therapy, right? Let alone run a clinic, let alone do all the other things that are involved with it. And so Freedom Fridays was dedicated and is dedicated to the mental health of an entrepreneur. Right. So whether you're a student entrepreneur, whether you're a health entrepreneur, whether you're, you know, you own 10 clinics or 10 tech companies, whatever. It was just gener- it was dedicated and is dedicated to furthering the mental health movement and making you more productive as a professional. Um, and just give me insights in terms of what kind of habits and rituals people are using in terms of physical physical health, in terms of meditation versus and, and just their different productivity hacks. So those are some of the things that, you know, I'm pretty proud of, of developing that weren't around, right? And not to mention this, this website that it literally has taken three years and three different web developers to like put together and I'm doing it right now uh, as we speak. So there's a lot of things that are on, that have come out and I'm, I'm really excited because we're actually uh, putting together, um, and I have, a, I have a daughter and I have a keen interest in women and entrepreneurship. And so we're going to actually be uh, recruiting probably one of the top female PT entrepreneurs to head up uh, like a woman's and entrepreneur newsletter that's going to come out once, once a month. Title is yet to be determined, but I'm, I'm excited for that to come out. Wow, that's a lot of things that you're working on. I read the Sunday Sizzles and I like the tools that you add in there. It's just impressive that how you've been consistent at this for multiple years. So how long have you been the chair of the PPD? Uh, probably, like I said, just before the, just before the pandemic. And it's been like, like so just before 2020, you know, and I don't think when I came on, <laughs> I would have uh, signed up for the amount of 
of uh, effort and blood, sweat, tears to, to put this together to help pivot a whole profession. I don't think anyone would have, if they had known, right, that you're gonna you're gonna be sitting in front of your computer. You know, I honestly was doing probably like 20, 30, 40, 40 hours of volunteer work a week, you know, during the height of that pandemic, just like, you know, with all the different resources of trying to pull together and not to mention trying to like actually work as a physical therapist. It was crazy. And the number of, of webinars and the number of things that were, I was, were just trying to pivot. And it was di definitely difficult because running a, a, a division is running a uh, sort of like a cruise ship with volunteers on it. <laughs> so, so, when, so you can imagine when the volunteers are, are, are running through crisis, it's really hard to tap on their shoulders to like say, hey, can you help me steer the ship while I look at the GPS to make sure we're not running into the iceberg like the Titanic. Right? So it was, it was uh, a lot of solo efforts, but definitely some sort of supporting cast from our volunteers when they had the opportunity to participate. What inspired you to be in this role in the first place and what has been the most enjoyable moments throughout? Yeah, you know, I think it's it goes hand in hand with my uh, mission and life as a as a PT to bring the uncon unconventional to PT because PT is is very conventional. And you know, I think if you look at the visionaries and the innovators in physical therapy right now, the ones that are notable, they're doing something dramatically different from what everyone else is doing. And you know, I think it's really easy for all of us to kind of work in our own silos and be a visionary in our own silos, but it's another thing to help set a path for the profession. And I think that's that's been my why of why I wanted to get into a leadership position is to try to pivot a division like private practice and set a course for the future leaders to be to run on, right? And and say, okay, you know what? You know, all these things were brought out out of nothing. And they came through and they were basically were looking at a situation where trying to get um, uh, the next 10, 15, 20 years to be in a better place. Mm -hmm. Have you seen tangible fruits of your efforts from that motivation? Or do you think it has to take a few more, maybe a few more years, few more decades? Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, when I when I look at at uh, like the Sunday Sizzle, like I I can't tell you how many people. Every time I go to a conference or anybody that I talk to, they always talk about this like having read the Sunday Sizzle. Maybe they haven't read every single edition, but I can tell you that 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 people do enjoy the content when they're able to read it. I do definitely think that there are tangible benefits. You know, I think being a volunteer and being a leader. I don't think you do it for the accolades. Uh, I think there. I think that's like extrinsic motivation, and you know, in terms of like the reward, you know, all these accolades. I think people, uh, or at least myself, do it for this intrinsic desire to lead something without the accolades. So if somebody, if somebody says to me, "Oh, thanks for doing this," I'm like, "That's great. That's fantastic." But inside of me. The, the pursuit of trying to pivot this profession is the reward, not necessarily the, the accolades. I, I don't think anyone does anything out of volunteer work if they didn't have this deep set desire to be a philanthropist or a humanitarian uh, and believed in service, right? And I think that's, that's my reward is service. Uh, and the side benefit is that I think I've grown uh, in terms of being 
a better leader, a better writer, and I think a better speaker. <laughs> Sometimes uh, there's some ums and ahs, but I'm definitely working on that. I appreciate that. And I really echo that. This is, you know, basically why I'm doing podcasts, doing it for Paincast and other podcasts, creating content. I really share your, your passion. It's just an intrinsic motivation to want to improve the profession, to want to facilitate conversations. And throughout the process, yeah, I do get a little bit better at these things, but it's not the ultimate motivation behind why I'm doing all of these. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you know what? Kudos to you, Tiff, for you know, um, you already got Stu McGill. I, I was listening to Stuart McGill. I'm like, geez, for a student PT to get like the kingpin of, of low back pain and management on a podcast, that's phenomenal, right? So congratulations on your end. That's a huge achievement. Um, and you. so, you know, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think, I think there's what you said about just like self-development. That's the, that's what we talked about initially is, is like that just, to keep innovating, right? Um, there's always, we, we, we have this un unlocked potential to like help. I'll give you an example is um, 20 years ago, I, uh, I went down the journey of, of going into dry needling and I started off with like acupuncture then went to gun IMS, then went to functional dry needling. And you think, you think, look, why would you need to go through three different, different like certifications, right? And, and really it comes down to my deep set desire that, I just wanted to keep innovating and I wanted to be so good. I could see around corners. Right. And, and, you know, all those successes and failures to get there led me to this really interesting opportunity uh, in the, um, in Karachi, Pakistan, I went to go uh, do a volunteer mission um, at the Aga Khan hospital in Karachi and to try to train their physiotherapy leaders. And so you can imagine that that was a, like an immense immense endeavor to go there across the world for two weeks um, and create all this online curriculum. And this happened before the pandemic, right just before the pandemic. And their physical therapy department sees a collective of uh, about 180 to 200,000 people a year. So you can imagine that if over the course of five years, six years, that's a million people that have been altered by one single initiative in terms of like changing their treatment paradigm or even just changing the way they think. So that's one person on one mission that could change 1 million people's lives all from service, right? Not from salary, right? So, you know, I think anyone that's listening to this podcast that, that you're putting out there, hopefully you can take that takeaway that uh, happiness, fulfillment, there is a, definitely a gateway to that. And that's through service. I can also share a little bit about how I uh, invited Stuart McGill to be on the podcast. Yeah, tell me. Tell me about that. Um, so when we started the podcast, uh, we're brainstorming, you know, potential speakers. And I'm like, oh, maybe I can reach out to this person in my circle, that person in my circle. And then the more I think about it, I thought, why not try for bigger? Like, because I'm doing this anyway, and there's no harm in trying. Let's reach out to someone that's really out there. And I have followed Stuart McGill's work for a little while, listened to his podcast, read his work. I'm very interested in the area of low back pain. So I decided to do a little more homework just to study his podcast, study his work. And then I put together a very long email, actually 1300 words, just <laughs> questions with citations. And I was like, okay, I'm really nervous, but, um, 
you know what i think this is the only way i'll get him interested so i hit the send button and then i received an email uh, reply from him okay hi tiffany uh your, your questions are really thoughtful i don't really do podcasts a lot anymore but i think i can be a guest on your on your podcast so I'm just overjoyed and, and I really had fun like even though it was a lot of hours doing research and putting together the email and um, initially we had scheduled only one hour but the conversation went so well that we talked for two hours that's why there are two episodes wow that's incredible right and you know I, I think that's incredible Tiff like you know that's such an inspiration to other people that um, you took the leap, right? Well, one, it wasn't just lucky because you were prepared. You saw an opportunity and you really strategized, like, how can I, I got one impression to make on this guy. Um, it could be, it could have been a two-liner. Yo, Stu, you want to be on my podcast? Or here's like a 1300, you know, 1300 word uh, letter, persuasive letter saying, this is why you need to be part of this. And Man, what a what a story and congratulations. Um, I'm sure uh, that uh, you're going to be able to use that sort of persuasive thinking on, to crush your whole, everyone that's around you, right? To doing what, what you think would be best. So congratulations. Thanks. Well, towards the end of the interview, what, what do you hope to see in the profession or perhaps specifically in the private practice area? Yeah, great question. That's a really good question. So one, I think the... The challenge with physical therapy is that it is multifaceted. So you've got neuro, you've got peds, you've got cardiorath, you've got animal rehab, you've got all these different facets, right? Um, so it's 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 pretty challenging for let's say uh, the CPA or any like any any association to just market one area of physical therapy. But I do think what's necessary is, is that the private practice space is getting very, very, very competitive, right? So when I graduated, um, you know, uh, 21 years ago, you know, you really, if you got injured, you only had like a couple options, right? You went to physio or you did chiro or you did, you know, maybe you went to massage. If you were really brave, you'd go to Chinatown and do like acupuncture, right? Like that was like 20 years ago, right? But now it's, it, it's totally different. There's like... There's like yoga, there's like clinical Pilates, there's like stretch therapy bars now, right? There's like, there's so many people that are sort of encroaching on that rehab space, right? So it's not just like, like three lanes of traffic anymore, right? Like it's like fiber internet, right? Like there's so many streams that people can choose. And so I think it's really important for physical therapists or the profession to start really highlighting how good we are as experts. And, and I'm going to not say this as a chair, but I'm going to say as a person, I think we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice when we start to regulate ourselves that we can't call ourselves experts because all of a sudden now we're saying, oh, well, you know, the next physical therapy, we're putting the next physical therapist down. Right. And, and, and I don't think that's the case at all. I think, if other professions are able to really like home in on calling themselves experts, then to the public, how can, how can we compete against that? So I think in some ways, one, we need to like try to take the handcuffs off, you know, of, of some of the things that we've done in the past and look at how to pivot ourselves forward, right? In, in terms of like, what is the next 20 years of success look like to be a rehab professional? And I think we need to start mapping out how do we need to market ourselves? What are the skill sets that we need to like really champion that? And I think 
I think we need like some visionaries to sit down at a table and not, not as a working group, but to lay out like some sort of structure here that, okay, Tiff, you're just going to be graduating next year. In order for you to successfully be where I am 20 years from now, like what do we need to get you, right? You know, we obviously need financial literacy, right? Number one, right? Like we need to know that, right? If you look at other professions out there, um, like chiropractors, when they graduate, they're ready to go, man. You know, they're ready to like literally go and sign a lease and actually conquer the world. Whereas in our profession, there's so many steps that you need to even just catch up to that point. And, and so I think that, that the world of academia and associations need to like brainstorm what is the future PT in terms of a competitive model, right? And in, in terms of impact model, especially with, you know, how AI is changing the game, right? We need to be like way ahead of this stuff right now. We need to like act now. Like if, if anything, when we looked at how much the profession, you know, really moved forward very quickly in that pandemic while we were able to like jump onto virtual care within like six weeks, right. Or, or six days or whatever it was. I mean, nobody even talked about virtual care before that. Right. So we need to like say, okay, well, there's an urgency for um, relevance, right. That's the new pandemic is will physical therapy be as relevant as it is today, 20 years from now, right? Given all these streams of competition and all this divided attention and how do we separate ourselves and how do we, in some ways, take the handcuffs off of our profession to allow us to grow. And, and, you know, I think, and that's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying this as a, as a person, because, you know, I, I don't want to get hit with a whip here because, you know, the chairperson of the, of the PPD said this, no, I'm saying this as a person that I think we really need to like find a way to take the handcuffs off find a way to like really hyper-focus on, on our competitive advantage and what are the skills and all these marketing efforts needed to make ourselves relevant. Yeah, so it's really about having a wide perspective of the rehab world in general and knowing the value of physiotherapy, knowing what we can offer mm -hmm. and then try to leverage what we need to leverage in order to provide the best value for the public. Yeah, you know, uh, so much of physical therapy training is celebrating things like Mulligan and McKenzie and Meth, all these things, right? These people that have, that have, you know, Diane Lee and all these people that have pivoted our clinical reasoning. Uh, but I think we need to start uh, looking at visionaries and and saying, okay, this is just as important, right? To like move that profession forward. So um, I can already tell you're going to be one of those visionaries. Yeah, that's a very interesting perspective. Yeah. Um, to finish off, uh, I can testify that PPT has provided great tools so far, at least through email. To me, uh, it's been really great. How do people learn more about the PPT or get in touch or get involved? Yeah, so, I mean, we're always looking for future leaders. And, you know, certainly, as I talked about, service is the pathway to, to happiness and fulfillment, both as a physical therapist and as a person. Uh, you can definitely learn about us uh, at uh, cpapriatepractice.ca. Uh, we also got the on our Instagram channel it's at CPA Private Practice, and then you can always look me up at Physio Cream on Instagram. Um, anytime, I'm happy to answer uh, any questions that people have. And you know, I think just like what you did um, to to reach Stu McGill, a lot of people ponder, you know, doing big things, right? But you did what. 99.999% of the people out there don't do, and that is take take the leap, right? Hit the send button, 
right? And so I really encourage anyone that out there that really wants to pivot, move forward and be part of a visionary group uh, to hit me up on Instagram at Physicream and let's, let's start a discussion. And I'm really committed to honestly bringing the unconventional to a conventional PT world. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, Kareem. Thank you. That concludes the series of episodes I produced during Congress. I only managed to connect and interview six divisions, but I want to recognize that all divisions are important to the development of us physiotherapists. If you would like to learn more about them, I have added the link to the CPA divisions in the episode description. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Paincast. I hope you found it inspiring. To support our podcast, please subscribe and rate the podcast on Spotify or Podbean and share it with your network. Check out the other episode, episode number eight, also produced during my time at Congress, where I interviewed 10 physiotherapists, students, and researchers all over Canada and abroad across acute care, rehab, private practice, in musculoskeletal, neuro, sports, and cardiorespiratory care about pain and how these people support patients in pain. Stay tuned for future episodes on pain and physiotherapy.